hello and welcome to In Search of Tracks podcast. We will deny you, baby. But first, my name is Pete. Uh, my name is Negasonic Teenage Warhead. <laughs> that was a character, right? Um, it is a character in Grant Morrison's run of New X-Men. Who? Uh, New X-Men, okay. Is obliterated from probably, <laughs> let me think, that would probably have been seven or so years after this record was released. Um, and she is a character on the mutant uh, island of Genosha. And uh, she is killed like three panels after this happens. So after after first appearing. So shout Bomber. out to Monster Magnet. My name is actually Bob. How you doing, Pete? <laughs> I'm all right. Um, what is going on? Reading comics <sighs> on the beach? Uh, no, I wasn't not on the beach. I did read some earlier today um, as a, a means of uh, excising myself from social media a bit because what a crummy, weird place, man. People are I th- weird. I think I'm going to quit all of it, man. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm kind of done. It, it's getting to that point. Just kind of leave it on for the fans, you know, just just operate through tracks pod. And that yeah, might be well, it. I mean, so so to everyone, um, it, it can't be all heavy or 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 full on LOL all the time. There's a nice place in the middle. We can be chill. We can yeah. have a nice relax. I think there's a lot of aggressiveness. And, uh, you know, it's, it's tough. It's such a good place to gain information, but also such a terrible place to waste all your time. So, uh, my recommendation is, um, hobbies, get them, video games, play them, um, comic books, read them, movies, watch them. Yeah. Uh, albums, listen to them. Albums, listen to them, tracks, find them. <laughs> um, and in the spirit of our podcast, please send us those wonderful emails to trackspot at gmail.com and as we're saying uh, get off we do have fun uh instagram and twitter presence at we do at trackspod so so join us you get to vote you get to send us nice messages the whole thing we love um, it pete what are we doing right now what are we doing today so a few weeks ago we had an episode where we revisited one of our oldest episodes on the gaslight anthem uh, their mm. second album, the 59 sound. Mm. And we're going to make that a recurring theme on this podcast where we revisit um, albums that we actually covered close to two years ago at this point. Oh, hell yeah. Um, so the second album that we did for the proto in search of tracks podcast, which was called uh, it came from New Jersey. You had to remember it for a second. Uh, yeah. I did. They're, I mean, they're long names. I picked long names. I know, but I'm, I'm, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. It was a good name. Yeah, it was. Um, and this podcast has a good name. I stand by it. But um, we covered Monster Magnet's uh, third album, uh, Dopes to Infinity. Yes, sir. And it was a fun discussion, um, but it's now two years later. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk to you about whether you've gone back to it, whether your feelings have changed on it. Mm. Um if you may have said anything in the older episode that you can't really back up at this point or mm. vice versa, right? So um, that's what we're talking about today. Just a quick discussion on Monster Magnet, and then I'm going to tack on the um, It Came From New Jersey episode that we did so to you the can end hear our, of this. our comments back then. Yeah, so if you never heard it, you can uh, check it out in about 15, 20 minutes from now. Yeah, I mean, so let's answer the first question. Have I gone to back to it? I have not, not on a whole album listen. Um, 
I have gone back in curiosity for a track or two prior. I mean, so pulling back before we recorded this episode, I, I did listen again. Um, but in the between time of recording that episode and then recording for this, I didn't go back to the whole album. I did throw um, Negasonic Teenage Warhead. Mm-hmm. And what was the other track? Um, Ego, the the Living Planet Ego track. Living Planet, yeah. <laughs> um, mostly as I, I get into my uh, comic book bag here, but I and the other track that really stood out to me, uh, the Look to Your Orb. Um, I've gone back to those songs. Those are the two instrumentals, aren't they? Look to Your, to orb, your orb for the warning. Yeah, Ego, that the Living a- Planet has some of the weird stuff going on. I think it has some vocals. Yeah, that has some it? vocals. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. The but, lyrical but, uh, content of that. Look to your orb for the warning. Is that instrumental? I'm not. I don't think it is. No, or, I'm wrong. I, th- yeah. I think it was a theme from Master Burner. There you go. There yeah, you go. Sorry, I don't. I haven't gone back to any of the instrumentals. I'll say that. Okay. Um, <laughs> this is a cool record. It's not something I reach for. What say you? Um, same thing. I did not go back to it. However, I went back to it for this episode. Um, I will say, though, after we did that episode, I listened to the new... Mm. Actually, Monster Magnet have have had two records since we recorded that. I think one of them came out right about when we recorded Dopes to Infinity... Or recorded the Dopes to Infinity episode. Yes. Called Mindfucker. Um, And I listened to that immediately after... We recorded and it was really good. It 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 sounds like 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 kind of early Hawkwind where mm-hmm. it's it's got kind of like a, a raw kind of punk edge to it. Which would track um, to me. I could see them doing that sound. Yeah, it's not as like blown out and like and 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 there's not as many studio tricks as there are on Dopes mm-hmm. to Infinity, for example. Which mm-hmm. is cool. It, it feels like a return to form in a way. Um so I liked that one. Um, and then they released a covers album called a better dystopia, mm, um, okay. which is like, it's a cover albums of strictly like obscure early psych rock tracks, which I thought I knew something about that scene. And apparently I don't know anything cause I knew like three songs on it. Yeah. They just pissed on your knowledge. They're like totally eh, pissed on my knowledge. Eh, yeah. You know, um, maybe, but I, I would love, expect I, I would expect that. nothing less from Dave Windorf. Yeah. So that's right. That's right. Um, um and that was very cool too, actually. Um, so I I've been keeping up with them and I did go back. I think I listened to Spine of God once. So like, I mean, hey, for two years I've listened to three, four of their records. So mm. I keep up with them. I'm interested. And I, then I when I listened to Dopes to Infinity, I was I was psyched on it. Um it is a bit long. So I still feel that way. We expressed that in the episode. Yeah. But at the same time... I I think I I feel that even more strongly now, to be honest. But go ahead. I'm sorry. Sure. No, no. At the same time, like, yeah, you feel more strongly. For me, I was kind of just okay with it. I kind of just accepted the fact that it's like a little bit of 90s bloat. Um, Because even the the songs that I don't like too much on this, I, I definitely don't mind. And they kind of serve as, as like good bridges into the next song. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of it w- I was like okay with the worst moments of it as like background music um mm-hmm. which is I'm okay with in certain circumstances. So to me I think that's a fun spot to start is the length of this record. Um and it's going to go into my larger point which is this record 
there's a part of me that feels like this is a record that deserves more conversation in in what music was going on in the 90s. Yeah. And it doesn't always get charted up to that. And, you know, there's a lot of bigger things to talk about. But, like, the heavy rock, like, you know, stoner rock, heavy rock... It's not totally alt, but like I don't think you're getting a full picture of the alt music scene of the 90s if you don't include some of this. Um, it's the one step down from what was actually like mainstream big alt. It's like, no, no, no. Like Monster Magnet had a moment in the sun. These bands were doing well. They weren't getting like radio play national, but they were getting underground big time. Like, note, the record is long. Yes. Yeah. Some of the songs feel a little bloated. But I also chart that up to that's kind of what you're, you know, in for a penny, in for a pound. That's what this is. The songs are long. The structures are long. They're designed to be longer songs. You drift on the songs a little bit. So, you know, when we get to to the rating section of uh, the redo. But I just, um, I do find the record long. And for me, I have to be in the right mood for it. But when I was putting it on for this listen, I was like, man, some of these tracks groove, you know, like, like, can I put myself in a place with this on as I'm doing something else? And the answer is yes. Uh, but I just don't find myself in that. Like, I, I have to admit, if I had an office job, this isn't a go to, but I could put this on as I was doing work. You know, if I'm sitting there doing work, I absolutely could do work to this record. Yeah. Yeah, I actually ended up doing work to this record when I was listening to it and it worked very well. Um, but then I'll say I was driving down the road in it and it was like not fitting my my mood at the time. So I think you have to be, you know, um, you got to catch a vibe. You know what I mean? For this yeah. record. But at the same, as I say that, this record does have a vibe to it and a good energy. And I was driving, listening to it the other day and I was like, yeah, hell yeah. This is cool evening driving sun's out but it's cooling off energy i i enjoyed it i think it's lost and that was where i was kind of where my brain went was i think this record does feel of the moment it feels very of the 90s and uh i'm not saying that it it's aged poorly that's not what i'm saying at all i'm just saying this feels very much of the time yeah and when you talked about their newer records and then even more so that the a better dystopia, I'm very interested in hearing that one is to hear these songs, uh, these covers they're doing two to see how they do them and, and kind of experience them next to the originals. Cause that's fun. It's interesting. It's like, there's so much about monster magnet that I love. Yeah. It's just that none of the albums have ever totally gripped me the way I'd like them to. Yeah, I can, I can say that for the most part, except for I think Spine of God and uh, Power Trip, I really, really like both of those records front to back. And honestly, I mean, I like Super Judge a lot. I like this one a lot. Um, mm-hmm. And there are definitely moments on all the other records. So yeah, I'm I'm a fan of this band. I just it's it's very much like a mood thing for me. I have to be in the right mood for it. Um, kind of similar to what you were saying. I think if you're hearing this episode and you've never listened to this record. Um, but you like any of the following is really worth your time and attention. One, yeah, and and let's go back and forth. I'll give a thing, you give a thing. 
if you like big guitars flat out, you should check out this record. Yeah. Um, if you like any sort of psychedelic rock in any way from Pink Floyd to like electric wizard, um, mm, mm. check this out. Yo, and there's somebody who, who likes electric wizard who maybe hasn't heard this record and that's wild to me. It's yeah. so weird. That's because check it out. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you, uh, fancy yourself a fan of heavy metal in general, in whatever iteration that is, this is not heavy metal, but you should hear this record. Um, if you like, you said big guitars. I said big but guitars. I'm, but I'm, but I'm thinking like, I guess, I guess more of a genre thing. If you like any of that, like punk influenced rock and roll stuff, like anything from the Dead Boys to Turbo Negro to uh, the helicopters, anything of that era, you'd like this. I'm going to close this out on this one. Unless you can one up me. This is my last one. Okay. If you like seventies hard rock, but wish it had more of an edge or grit to it, you should check out this record. Yeah. Or if you like seventies hard rock and like a little bit more alt, 90s alt to it <laughs> so i mean and that's that's where we get to i think that this record deserves more of a place at the table in the alt conversation i think it deserves more of a place at the table in the stoner rock heavy rock conversation um it's undeniably important and cool and you know we we did this because this was a band who was you know nascently from new jersey obviously but it was also really important um but just the way the sands of time move I don't, I'm not going to say they get lost in the shovel. I'm sure Monster Magnet can still tour and fill rooms very yeah, well in 2022. Sure. But I don't think, I think it's one of those success can be the, be your devil. Um, where it's like, hey, this band did so well. And especially with this record, I think this is a name checked record, Dopes to Infinity, that some people skip over it and, um, and maybe skip over this band entirely or just give it a, really casual look and and it, i think it deserves more than that and i think their catalog deserves more than that and you know uh i haven't revisited a lot of the catalog and i'm gonna uh rectify that especially this new record you just you sold me on it so hard for some reason no it's that fun concept, i liked it and mounts magnets cool as hell what can be they're said cool. like i think they're cool like straight up they're so cool and that's um, a pandemic record. It's just like, hey, how do we stay busy? Let's just record <sighs> some of our favorite songs, you know? Like what a what a good way to stay busy. All right, Pete. La- last thing I want to say real quick yes. is um you pointed to um the nineties and kind of where they fit in and all of this. I, I was thinking about that when I was listening to this because I do feel like, you know, we talked about Pearl Jam months and months ago mm. and how they were taking from kind of big guitar like seventies, you know, Led Zeppelin style mm-hmm. stuff in a lot of ways. Um, we talked about Nirvana. They were taking from kind of a different thing, you know, early punk and, mm-hmm. you know, the Vaselines and the Melvins and all of this like kind of sludgier stuff. I think Monster Magnet are interesting because they they still have a little bit of alt there that is very 90s. And actually you pointed that out in the in the original episode that we recorded. Yep. Um, and you pointed it out here, which I think is totally correct. But 
I think one of the reasons they may have been overlooked is they were pulling from things that were probably that nobody was really pulling from at the time. Like, yeah. was anybody talking about Hawkwind in, you know, the nineties? I, I don't know. <sighs> Not till these guys and some others followed, followed in their tread. And, and yeah. like, you know, I mean, Hawkwind is not a band that you hear be name-checked very often. There was a minute where they were. Right. And I'd say the 2000s got a lot more uh, Hawkwind in its blood because of, because of bands like Monster Magnet and this whole wave of bands looking at that material. Whereas when when we talk about when we talk about Nirvana, we talk about a, a Pearl Jam, et cetera, et cetera. When I say seventies rock, I'm not thinking Hawkwind. I'm not thinking, you know, the the deep cuts of Psych and like right. uh, rock of the seventies. I'm thinking the the big room stuff more so. Mm-hmm. Whereas you're totally right. Monster Magnet was going oh, okay. That's cool, but what about this stuff? Because this is what we we really love and we really vibe on. Yeah, and like I I was appreciating that as I was listening to it on this recent listen because. Like I now know a lot of the references that they're pulling from, although mm-hmm. listening to a better dystopia, I don't know half of them clearly, but um, I feel like it may have just gone over people's heads at the time where they listened to it and they're like, this is cool, but like, what, like, where did this thing come from? You know? And now you can kind of look at, look back at it. And I think it, uh, there's a lot more there that people may have missed maybe when they listened to it originally or maybe they just missed it because it wasn't the most popular nineties record. It just kind of ultimately kind of became part of the shuffle as you were saying. Well, and and I, I, you know, it's a funny thing to talk about, but I think, you know, it's, it's, we are an odd creature humans in that we like reference points. We like points of reference. We like to be able to cite where things are coming from. We like familiarity. So when you hear something that's good, part of your weird creature brain wants to know what you like or where it's coming from or what it is, you know? And I'm not saying that's, I'm not saying everybody who likes music goes instantly like, oh, this sounds like, you know, beef eater. Oh, you know, like that's not (laughs) what I'm talking about. Subconscious level. It's one of these pop music things. They talk about like, hey, here's the popular notes. You know, this is, this is, and this is how to do a song that's going to get radio play and you want it to be about this long and you want this kind of chorus and this repetition, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm not some like, you know, believer in that, but you have to acknowledge it's true. You have to acknowledge there's some familiarity things that are in here. And so then when there's a band like monster magnet who is playing angry, hard, ripping, rocking, sludgy grimy gritty alt music that could be put right alongside an alice in chains or a nirvana and maybe comes off even more rugged yeah part of it is the points of part of part of it let me be honest not quite as pop accessible but that plays to the fact that it's not as easily referenced and I think that you're noting something really, really spot on in that you were able now to figure to point at, oh, that part is coming kind of from something like this or this or this. Oh, this is them doing something like this or this or this. 
it adds to an enjoyment level. It adds to the familiarity of the the piece. And I think that subconsciously matters and it, it can often be a separator. So um, for sure, shout out to you. You want to do some quick ratings on this one? <laughs> um, let's do it. All right. Uh, holistic quality out of 20. So overall, yeah, I gave it a overall 15. Good. I gave it a 14. Cool. How about the highs? How good were the best parts of this record? When I'm really feeling this record, I'm really feeling it. Um, so I gave it an eight. I gave it a seven. I think okay. I think it's good. Nothing quite hits that like damn moment, but there's yeah. really good points. Uh, how about lows? Any real lows for you on this record? So there aren't any real lows. That's the thing. I mean, I have my issues with it, and there are songs that I like much more than others, but mm-hmm. um, it doesn't get too low for me, so I gave it a five. I'm in the exact same spot, Pete. While the highs didn't really don't go quite as high for me, I don't really feel any lows either, so it's a five. Cool. Competency or peer review in comparison to their peers. Pete, I gave this a seven out of ten. I think it's highly competent. I think the only thing is who you're comparing them to their peers. I think when I think of the like heavier stoner drug rock kind of music, um, there's some of it that I find catchier. You know, uh, for example, I like Caius more. Okay. Um, I think if you were to compare them to something like Queens of the Stone Age, especially the early Queens of the Stone Age material, I actually think you could make some parallels. Sure. Uh, they're doing different things, but you could put them in the same bucket, same section of the record store. Um, some of that I enjoy more. I like. I feel like Fu Manchu and Nebula go in a different direction with their sound but i like that stuff a little more um but it's still highly competent and then if you compare it to the relativity of it it's really there so it's a seven out of ten for me cool yeah i think highly competent and it's funny i was thinking of the peers and i thought of all those bands i can't think of all that many more um and i think i like them more than all of those bands um so i gave it an eight okay that makes well there that makes good sense drag factor does this record drag um i gave it a four because i think it does drag i gave it a three because i think it does drag and if you're not in the mood for it it can really drag yeah flow how does how well does the record move uh within itself as a whole piece and obviously song to song so although it drags i think it does flow really well and i think the the track listing was really intentional so i gave it a seven uh, I agree. I think, though, to me, and the reason drag and flow are intrinsic is that uh, because it drags at points, I have to mark it down a little bit on flow. It's a six for me. Sure. Aesthetic. The look, the feel of the record. I think it, for the vibe that they are going for, I think it hits it pretty spot on. I think the issue is that I've never been in love with the vibe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So that being said, I gave it a seven. Uh, man, we're in a very similar place with a lot of this. I think they hit what they wanted on it. The problem is, and I actually even like, man, I like the cover. I like the cover a lot. Yeah. I like the image. I actually like the spacey, weird red woman. You want to know what hurts this? It What's was that? initially going to be a six out of 10. I'm giving it a seven because I actually look at the cover and I love it. Um, what hurts it is that in the 90s, I saw too many rockabilly dudes with a red dra- devil lady tattoo or t-shirt <laughs> or etc. And while this cover is not that, yeah. it always strikes that in my head. 
it is unfair. This is cool. I actually like the font. I like the image. It's a 7 out of 10. Cool. Impact and influence out of 10. Um, I gave it a 6 because I don't know that this was all that influential. I think a lot of people really love this album and really love this band, but I just I don't know how long the legs are here. And I could be wrong. Same, same, same. Six as well for me. I would love to be corrected. Yeah. Intangible, etc. Anything you have a personal feel. For me, Pete, I gave it a three out of ten. Um, partially because I want to like it more and I don't. Mm-hmm. And so it leaves me wanting a bit. <clears throat> and there's so much about Monster Magnet that I just think is intrinsically really cool. And I want to like it more than I actually do. I really like it and I want to like it even more than I do um, mm. because all the pieces are there, just like you're saying. Um, right. So yeah, six for me. Okay. My total, I'm going to give you a second to do your math because I'm assuming you have to do the math. I got um, it. My total is a 59, which feels about right, to be honest. Oh, interesting. I'm, I'm much, you're much I'm higher, higher yeah. than you than I thought I was. Uh, I'm 66. No, that sounds right. I think you do like it, you know, yeah. that much more than me. Pete, without further ado, let's Real kick quick. it back to our... Oh, yeah. Adding this to your collection. Or do you have it? I don't have it. I love the record cover so much. Yeah, I'm fucking adding it to the collection. I want, I want the 12-inch version of this cover. I really... When I don't look at the cover, I don't like it less. When I'm looking at the cover... I love everything that's going on on it. It's cool as hell. It's really weird. It's cool. It's got a yeah. planet. Yeah, I'm adding <laughs> my fucking. Do you own this one? I got this one. I All got right. a repress years ago. Without, it. without further ado, let's kick it back to ourselves some time ago. Episode two of It Came From New Jersey podcast, the podcast where we discuss albums from bands that came from the great state of New Jersey. Um, the goal here, just kind of rediscover old favorites, dig into some new music ourselves, um, and hopefully do the same thing for all of you listening. So my name is Pete. And my name is Bob. What's going on, Bob? Not much, buddy. Good uh, good to talk to you. Uh, feeling, feeling good. Uh, this week's record 
is a good one. It's one I remembered. And, you know, I really liked what you said there, rediscovering uh, old favorites. It's, it's sort of this funny thing that you can do at any time and it feels good. But wow, you know, like, have you ever had that experience where you have an old, like you have clothes and you throw them in a box and like they go away. Maybe they're at your parents' house. Maybe they're in your attic, your basement, whatever. You pull it out and you go, oh, whoa, this is one of my favorite shirts. And you put it on and you're like, I remember this shirt. But then it's also like, it's been 10 years that you haven't put that shirt on. It's been 10 years since that shirt's been on you, you know? Right. Um, and that's sort of a fun feeling with certain records that you hit, you know? And I, I think we might have one here today. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's always it's always a mixed bag though, right? Because like the shirt could not fit well, or maybe you don't like the color anymore, or maybe it's just not your style, right? So like, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's exactly what I was saying. You know, it's like this idea that like you've had this life without the shirt and now the shirt's the same, but what it might mean, the context of it now, everything can be different, even though you are still yourself and this shirt is still this shirt. Right. Yeah, exactly. I, uh, I, I've been, uh, I want to say that our first record, it's, uh, it's not something, you know, I, I don't know, you know, maybe we'll touch on it more and more, but we did the Gaslight Anthem, uh, and, 59 sound and i haven't revisited it listening to it but i've had a couple of those songs in my head um so that's a good sign right like on a because that's the other side that's not a new favorite it was a new to me right and and i kind of i i think that's a good sign and i've been appreciative for that as a, a discovery thing that that i listened to something that i'd kind of for no good reason put at the back of the line yeah. And and really enjoyed certain parts of it, you know, real elements that, that like hung around with me. No, it's been fun so far. I mean, I, I really liked listening to that album because that was new for both of us. This one, I mean, I guess we'll get into it. But, um, you know, this one was actually kind of an older one for me. Um, but so far, all the music's been good, which is fun. I was worried, you know, when we started this thing that it would be like this masochistic venture where, you know, we're right. like just making ourselves listen to all these terrible records. But so far, that's not the case. So hopefully it doesn't get to that point. But, you yes. know, we'll, we'll, we'll see over time. <laughs> right. And that's the, the part that I'm like, you know, I want to keep a pretty positive energy as much as possible. But at the end of the day, also be honest and real. So, yeah, uh, today's one is a good one. So, um I feel pretty good. You want to you want to intro it and tell tell the people what we're going to get into today? Yeah, sure. So, um, record we're going to talk about today is Monster Magnet, um, Dopes to Infinity. Um, I think we chose this one just because you know they're a kind of classic New Jersey band from the '90s. Um, I grew up right around Red Bank, New Jersey, um, where they're from. Um, so, you know, I was pretty familiar with them just growing up as a kid. Um, I think my first um, experience with them was actually on a Beavis and Butthead episode. Yes. Um, where they, you know, were watching the Negasonic Teenage Warhead video. Yep. Um, which I actually rewatched before this episode. It's fun. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, Monster Magnet, you know, kind of, uh, I would say kind of like stoner rock influence. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of, you know, kind of spacey influence like Hawkwind comes to mind. Sure. Um, you know, they were, I think they were obviously their biggest in the nineties, but they're still, you know, a very active band. 
um, playing really big shows in Europe, also playing in the States. Um, I think they put a record out two years ago called Mindfucker. That's right. Um, and they were actually <laughs> supposed to um, be doing, I think, a, a power – what is it? Power Trip? I think power Trip, yeah. the album that came out after this, yeah. Yep. So Power Trip. They were supposed to do a Power Trip tour um, right around now, which is, uh, you know, like mid-2020. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately all of that got canceled due to the COVID situation. Yeah. Um, but you know, really long, you know, a, a band that's been active for a really long time. Um, I know that a lot of the dudes that are in the band were in a lot of bands previously. Um, Dave yeah. Windorf was in a band called shrapnel, um, yeah. that, you know, was kind of like power pop stuff. Um, what was that early eighties? So the first Shrapnel 7-inch, Combat Love, the single came out in 78 or 79. 78, wow. All right. Yeah, I think it came out 78. And then they did a, a second single that's not nearly as memorable called Just Cruisin'. Yep. Um, that's pretty good. I, I actually, so I think, the, I think the Shrapnel Combat Love single is among the best of that ilk. It's, you know, it's like very post-Ramones, power poppy sound. It, totally sounds new york and new jersey and um it's up tempo just the song combat love has this real drive to it the b side of that is just a um you know uh, let me just be blunt a coked out party song yeah you know uh and then so it's not much but the song combat love just by itself is just killer 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 just cruising is fine they then and this is the part that i think is interesting i actually tracked down they did a I guess a full length on Electra, but it's not, I think it might only be five or six or seven songs. Yeah. Okay. It's a five song EP on Electra. I owned it. Let me just say, it's not good. (laughs) (laughs) And I I, like, I'm here to say like among like the power pop singles and all that, I think combat love is just this rocking like punk power pop like force it's incredible like a must hear must own check it out um but the just cruising is fine and the ep on electra it feels like they lost the plot completely and that's okay like you know i think who knows what they were going for who knows what the influences were i I bet it's out there but i'd love to hear more about it um but it's interesting i do love that first for that first seven inch but i haven't revisited any of that stuff in a really long time the song combat love stands up you'll, you'll hear it and be like oh yeah this is perfect it's it just um so it's ramonzi without being leaning in on any of the vocal cues that make you kind of like go all right all right that's enough it's also more progressive um musically it's got more going on the drum sound is great everything about it is just really nice now here's my thing, which is my complaint with a lot of the power pop type stuff. Perfect for a single would be very hard to achieve it on an album. You know yeah. what I mean? To do a whole album of that kind of that level and that quality without really diversifying your sound and the song structure. So, um, but that's that's a perfect song to me. Maybe you know, and there's a certain part of me that. Um, so, all right, we're, we're shrapneling. I didn't think we'd shrapnel so early. Um, <laughs> shrapnel is this like uh, seminal kind of like punk band from the New Jersey shore who doesn't get really any praise. Um, 
they're kind of a footnote and rightfully so to be honest in the grand scheme of things musically not that big a deal they would go up play new york a couple times played played new jersey a bunch but they were playing dive bars playing local places but they also maybe unintentionally helped shape the earliest new jersey punk and hardcore scene um, because a lot of the bands who ended up on the the record label Mother Records from the Jersey Shore started out by opening for Shrapnel, you know, like they needed they needed bands to play with them, and uh, and so it ended up being kind of this weird kismet where this band inspired and kind of set up a bunch of these bands, whether it's the worst or you know going further, Fatal Rage, that kind of stuff. Um, they, they, you know, the worst is a band who opened for Shrapnel when they first started, and they're much more of a hardcore sound, not kind of not accessible. But but the song Combat Love, I feel like you could play that for your mom, you could play that for your dad, your uncle, your aunt, and they'd be able to go, oh okay, oh this is kind of like punk music, man, or something, you know. <laughs> but um, but yeah, no, it's it's fascinating. And then, you know, you fast forward to Monster Magnet. Which I don't know if you if you don't mind, let's pull back. Sure. You gave your experience. I think I heard Monster Magnet similar in the mid '90s, like that. Like saw him on Beavis and Butthead, but I didn't dive any further because I wasn't like I wasn't super into. It. I thought I was all right, but like didn't and I didn't know that they were from New Jersey, so I was kind of like ah, you know, and I just wasn't keyed in on it that way. And it's it's probably five years later say 2000, 2001, 2002, when I, like many great people who like music, ended up working at a screen printing shop making t-shirts. And uh, what you learn there is that if you don't like music, well, you're going to be pretty boring, or maybe you just listen to talk radio all day. Thankfully, I like music, so we listen to music all day, every day. You can listen to whatever. And Monster Magnet became pretty regular rotation um this record and super judge both got a lot of spins and and the record before what's the record before super judge? spine of god spine of god yeah spine of god was a big one um but dopes to infinity it's been a long time since i revisited and i was super glad i did but um but yeah like before we go into this when was the last time you listened to this record before we did so for for this episode so it was probably, I'm gonna say five years ago. Yeah. Um, I, I think you know j- just to give a little bit more background. So um, I, you know, saw the video on Beavis and Butthead. Kind of didn't look any further. Kind of like you, you know, in my, I don't know what was I like ten probably. Yeah, you, you were younger than me, yeah. so yeah, yeah. child. Um, but then um, I was playing in bands and going to Red Bank rehearsal regularly, which is just a practice space in Red Bank that we discussed in the last episode. Um, and there was a guy named Jim, Jim Baglino um, that owned it and was there a lot of the time. Um, I believe he owned it. Um, and he was playing in Monster Magnet at the time, which was the early or like late 90s, early 2000s. And I remember seeing the stickers everywhere and, you know, like they were always around you know um they um there was a guy named tim cronin um worked at jack's music who was like you know really just a super nice guy would turn me on to cool shit all the time um but he was monster magnet affiliated he was actually i think their original singer 
um, yep. played some uh, some drum tracks on uh, Dopes to Infinity, I believe. Yep. But um, they were just always around, you know, because I was just a kid walking around Redback. So it was one of those things where I remember checking it out at the time just because I wanted to know like what they were about because they were so local. Um, and it just didn't stick because it wasn't kind of my lane at the time. I was into much faster, crazier stuff. Yeah. Um, and that was kind of my interest and my only interest at the time. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I felt like there were good vibes around the band. Like I dug the style, I dug the, you know, the, the people that I had met. Um, so I think it was like my early twenties that I was actually getting into, you know, like more stoner rock oriented stuff. Yeah. And, you know, I, I thought about them and I was like, Oh, like that band monster magnet, like they're Jersey band. I should like check them out again. And I got mm-hmm. kind of deeper into, you know, all of that stuff. So I've kind of been a, like an active fan that kind of pays attention to what they have going on since, you know, I don't know, 15 years now, but, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of the full history. Um, but I, I think, you know, to answer your question, a long way of answering questions, yeah. it's been about five years. Yeah, um, I, I'd say it's probably been about that for me on this record, maybe even a little bit longer. Yeah. So I would say it, it had been long enough that I was like, oh, yeah, I like Negasonic Teenage Warhead. I like <laughs> Dose and Infinity, the song. And I was like, there's a few other tracks on there that I really like. All right, let me think about this. Um, and then when I was listening, I'm like, oh, yeah, oh, this is the one, you know? So it was, it was a good kind of slipping back into this. Um, yeah. And it's one of those things too, where like, you know, I mentioned at the last episode, I'll continue to mention it. I mean, one of the reasons we are doing this podcast is to kind of, you know, appreciate albums as albums, you know, and like really give them that space. Yeah. Um, and I think this is one that like, you know, in our current day and age, it's, it's tough to like give yourself that time. And this is like, definitely an album it's a significant oh my god it's a significant amount of time you know it's like i think it's over an hour yes Um, it is hour and two minutes there's a lot of depth to it so you know maybe in that five-year period i like played the first couple songs and you know something else happened or i like you know was on a walk and got to my location you know like i don't know but um it was cool to sit down with it again because yeah i mean there was a lot of there were a lot of songs that I'd completely forgotten about that are definitely good songs, you know? So, so it's an interesting thing to talk about, not just the music, but, um, but I want to give a little bit of insight to, to the, the world that you grew up in as well as the place that, that this band kind of came from Red Bank, New Jersey is in Monmouth County, Northern Monmouth County. And you live a couple towns away, uh, but I remember that's where we would hang out when when I first met you and, and you know, like we started hanging out and we were kids. Like I couldn't drive. I would take the train up um, and <laughs> we would kind of, you know, you mentioned walking around and walking to Jack's Music and Red Bank. That was for a town. Now, let's spade a spade. Red Bank's a pretty nice town. Yeah. You know, got, I mean, it's gotten progressively nicer, you know. Yes. Yes. And, uh, you know hoity-toity might not be kind but it might be appropriate yeah at this point definitely but i will say this it had this weird infusion of people into underground music and alternative music and different type of stuff 
and I don't know how, but it was it was this thread, and just like there's a couple sub shops. What's the sub shop on Monmouth? Elsie. Elsie's. Elsie's. Oh my god, that place is great. So just like a couple of these places that keep that kind of unique flavor to a place that otherwise is getting infiltrated with like an Urban Outfitters on the corner, and oh look over there, it's this t- you know. Um, the weird underground music in this otherwise like really nice town made it just so cool. And I just remember you and, and all your buddies would go, would like walk around town all the time. And I was like, I was so jealous because where I lived was much more suburban. So, you know, you, we'd walk around our neighborhoods, but there was no like downtown area to just like hang about in. And it just, I wonder about how that impacted Red Bank and people from the towns around there and just as being a place to go. And Jack's music was a fixture. There's been other different music places that have popped up. And, you know, I I just think about that sometimes like, man, that that was really special. I hope it still exists in some way. And if it's not in Red Bank somewhere else, but just is a cool thing to think about. No, it's definitely cool. It's definitely, as far as I can tell, it's always been a hub, um, you know, where teenagers will just hang out and kick it. Um, the white street parking lot has historically been, you know, the hangout spot. At least it was for us. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I wonder about that. You know, I see flyers from the eighties of like, you know, ripping corpse shows. And I wonder like, were those kids hanging out in the white street park a lot? You know, like I'd love to know, but yeah. Like how long has red bank rehearsal been this hub of weird bands of all types, you know? Yeah. So, um, so anyways, uh, monster magnet dopes to infinity. Uh, been been some years for both of us. I really liked what we talked about on the last episode. What were your... Did you have any... I, I take it you're more familiar with this record. I was more familiar with this record than the last one. As we discussed, we were completely unfamiliar. Yeah. But did you have any presumptions or inklings or, or feelings residual that weren't... that were kind of like loose wires, things that you didn't think about but you were thinking like, ah, oh, mate, is this the one that I like more? Like, is there anything that you you had pre- pre- prior to listening uh, again that that you that stuck with you? So, I was curious to revisit it because of their kind of like bigger major label albums. I usually went to Power Trip. Yeah, um, that was usually the one that I you know would listen to if I wanted that sound, and then. If I wanted, you know, the earlier kind of more chaotic stuff, I would go for Spine of God or like the early EPs they had. Yep. Um, I was a big fan of all of that stuff. This one, like, I knew it was one of the bigger ones, but for some reason I just never really went to it. It was never, you know, the album that I gravitated towards. So I knew it had some hits, but I also was really curious to revisit it just because I didn't really like, I didn't really remember like, the details of it, you know? Yes. Um, I know the song Negasonic Teenage Warhead. I remember the opener, the opening track. Yep. Um, but outside of that, it just, it was just kind of like a wash in my memory. Um, so I knew that I liked it, but I didn't really know like what I was going to get out of it on this listen. Um, so I was curious to like, you know, listen to it in the, in the, you know, kind of more concentrative way that we've been listening to things. Um, what about you? I mean, yeah. So it had been a while. I think the last Monster Magnet I listened to was Spine of God. 
and maybe power maybe power trip but I, i remember i remember liking this one but it's sticking out a little bit and i didn't remember exactly why and then on the listen i was like yep there it is. That's what it is. So uh, we'll kind of get into that as we go through. But I didn't have any negative feelings. I remember this one very warmly. Um, I don't know. I, you know, this one might be my favorite. So yeah. spoiler, spoiler alert. All right. Um, so we talked a little bit about you know where these guys were. Before. This is the early band. They did a Dave Windorf did the band Trapnel. I don't think he did any bands before Monster Magnet, but that makes sense because Monster Magnet starts in what, like 88? I think 89. But 89? I, I, I think, and I could be wrong, but I think that Monster Magnet existed under a different name for about a year, so it could be okay. possible that they sure. were around for a year or so. Um, sure. But yeah, I mean, 88, 89. Right, and and then they move quickly, um, sign to Caroline, get moving, do some EPs. And then spine of God is the first album. Yeah. And so it keeps going. There's other bands that maybe we'll touch on, but there were no other bands. These guys came from per se. Um, you know, like uh, for example, the band atomic bitch wax, I think a couple of these guys cycled in and out of that band who yeah. I think is pretty notable. Like I, I think that's a good band. And of this world of heavy rock, stoner rock, um, and we'll kind of talk a little bit about that. And if you're curious what stoner rock means, we can suss that out a little. Um, but Atomic Bitch Wax, I, I think, is worth noting. Um, with that said, Monster Magnet, Dopes Infinity. Let me put this thesis out there and you can kind of like rebut it. Tell me what you think. Monster Magnet, Dopes in thir- to Infinity is a heavy rock record, stoner rock, with significant alt touches. How do you yeah. feel about that? I mean, um, it definitely makes sense. Um, it is, yeah, I mean, it's more or less there. I think um, they, in terms of stoner rock, though, I think like there's like, it's more than just typical stoner rock because I think they get a little yes. bit more freaky. Yes, they go space rock. They get some. They go way more seventies than yeah. they go. They go spacey instead of sludgy. So let's let's start this. We've used the term stoner rock. I'm sure there are people yeah. who are listening who don't know what that is. Yeah. So um, when I think of stoner rock. Yes. I think of Black Sabbath primarily. I think that there is no stoner rock without Black Sabbath, right? That's um, that's the point. That's a great reference to go like, hey, if you need to know, like, this is the ohm, this is the god, there yeah. it is. Like, think about the song Sweet Leaf, you know? Um, mm-hmm. That's like, you could take that song and basically, like, start a family tree of, you know, stoner rock bands, I'm sure, like, from that. But Oof. And I think you can take that, I mean, and then you march it forward and you go, okay, well, there's that branch, and then there's the War Pigs branch, you know? Right. And and so, like, Sabbath and that kind of 70s, you know, Black Sabbath is a metal band, right? Or, or it gets called that. But as we've evolved the term metal, um, it feels almost inappropriate to call Black Sabbath a heavy metal band, you know? Right. <laughs> but that's, 
it's aggressive drive it's it alternates between driving and slow and heavy at at all points and there's kind of to me there's a branching of sonar rock where it goes two ways one is where it kind of goes spacier a little more rocking but with a real look back at all the 70s roots you know that's that's the one branch the other branch goes full dirge and is looking more into sludge, heavy, beyond heavy, and gritty. Both of these sounds have parallels. Both of these sounds can bounce off of each other. But I think there's the one branch that goes kind of more Fu Manchu, Nebula. Oh, geez, what are some other good examples here? Um, those are two very good ones that you yeah, can go. These are rocking. Really um, and then the other side, you go to like, that's where you get your sleep. You know, yeah. uh, you get your more drony stuff on that branch as well. So in between those, you have a huge spectrum of different things. But those are some good basics. Monster Magnet, I think, leans way more to the rocking side. Um, would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there, there are tracks on here that felt like kind of heavier Led Zeppelin songs, you know. For sure, for sure. And I mean, that's the, that's the part where, where you, when you hear the term stoner rock, um, I don't think I, I've, it, do you, that might be a term that someone could feel like icky about or, or like, oh, that's not for me. Uh, don't, don't, you know, that's like anything. Anybody can get offended by anything. What I would tell you is that there's tracks on this that could be Led Zeppelin. There's tracks on this where you could go, oh, I, I see them pulling from the absolute poppiest level of Black Sabbath, you know, the absolute cleanest level, the energy levels of stuff like that you could find on the B side of a kiss, kiss record. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and I think that is one of the things that makes this record almost an anachronism because it comes out in 1995 and you can hear that. And that's the touches of alternative. But overall, the record's really married to this rock sound that was very much not the thing in the mid-90s. Yeah. Um, I Actually, I was reading an interview with um, Dave Windorf. I think it was kind of a retrospective interview. I think it was done in the last couple of years. But he was talking about um, you know, when Dopes to Infinity came out. And he said something along the lines of like, you know, I thought Nirvana sounded like Boston. So oh, like, wow. I, I didn't want to really write anything that sounded like that. You know, he's like, so, you know, the label wanted to hit. I wrote Negasonic Teenage Warhead in like half an hour or something like that, yeah. which, you know, to me, it was like, it was telling only because, you know, this record came out in 95 and Nirvana was like, you know, I, I guess it ended a year or so before that. Yep. Um, but, you know, it, it there's definitely alternative influence and you can definitely hear yeah. Kind of that it came out at that time. But at yeah. the same time, it's like it's definitely it exists outside of that like Soundgarden Nirvana Pearl Jam sound. You know, it's 100%. Like, they, and it lives outside of that. They're definitely pulling from different places, you know, than those yeah. bands were. And I mean some of the same places, but you know, it there's it's distinct for sure. No, and, and I mean you're you're hundred percent right. What they're the part that's interesting to me most about it is that um you know, one negative sonic teenage warhead. When you read about it and go, oh, this was his kind of response to grunge and kind of pushback and all that. And I was like, that's kind of interesting, cool, 
cool to see that, especially at that time. Two, he is pull, they he Dave Windorf, but the band Monster Magnet is certainly pulling from a different influence set than the grunge bands of the time. But what I think is the biggest difference is that Windorf and company are going back to you know, a step before what the grunge bands are pulling from. I think the grunge bands are getting a lot of those influences put through the filter of certain stuff, you know, and, and that's not to dismiss them. I think all of these dudes were familiar with Black Sabbath and Led Zeppelin and all that, but I feel like they were also getting a huge influx of the early 80s punk sound of the mid 80s kind of college rock stuff, some noisy stuff. And that that was all kind of influencing it more than what you would hear on the Monster Magnet records. And, um, you know, if, if you were to ask me, Dopes to Infinity is almost the most alternative that Monster Magnet gets. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. You know, um, so, so that's that. And it's interesting to me because I, I feel it. And at the same time, I think about the way these peer influences go because Monster Magnet does a tour before this record opening for Soundgarden. And that's fascinating because it's kind of like, okay, you guys were clearly not a part of the grunge quote unquote world, but you were not, not, and you were kind of parallel to it in a lot of ways. And your, your world's kind of merged and kind of intersected. But I think overall their sound was too, it was too much like a pure rock record of the seventies variety, you know, um, to, to click in and to like, like when you hear Negasonic Teenage Warhead, it to me is not the definitive MTV Buzzbin song, but like it's right in that mix. Like you're like, oh, this could be the background music for like any MTV news segment in 1995, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, <laughs> but the funny part is, is like that's the stand, like that's yes. the only song on the album that sounds like that, you know? Yes. And there's a couple other moments. I, I'll say this. I think that the song, let's see, it is, um, I believe the song Blow Em Off um, has some moments where it feels very alternative. Um, the song King of Mars, which is one of my favorite songs on the record, I almost <clears throat> there's parts of that song, the song King of Mars, which is like the ninth track on the record that remind me of like mid era Foo Fighters. And this clearly predates that stuff. Yeah. But I'm like, oh, just because it's there's this clean level to his vocal that just sounds very much like the same kind of thing that you would hear um, Dave Grohl going for as Foo Fighters progressed. And that made sense to me because I'm like, oh, right. Because after the first two Foo Fighter records, that dude started really pulling to the bag of 70s rock and kind of looking for ways to do this. And that was both big and small because, you know, the bands that I think would be the easiest references for Monster Magnet, um, Black Sabbath, Hawkwind, um, much smaller band, but the band Sir Lord Baltimore. If people aren't familiar, that band's really fucking good. Two albums that are awesome. Um, there's a few others, but there's hints that remind me this band is aware of Led Zeppelin. They're aware of Kiss. They're aware of all the big 70s rock records, and you can almost hear that on some of the songs on here. 
because yeah, I think this was their attempt to get big. You know, not not like, hey, we're going to sell out because I don't hear that on the record at all. But they're like, oh, what are some of the things that we can pull into our sound that would perhaps enable it to be more palatable to this larger audience? Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's definitely a lot of that, like kind of proto metal, like Sir Sir Lord Baltimore. You know, you mentioned it's like like uh, Atomic Rooster bands like that, like kind of lesser known kind of 70s bands that were, you know, trying to a lot of them were like doing the Sabbath thing, you know, while Sabbath were doing it. Um, Yep. (laughs) A a few of them were like, you know, kind of followed in the trail. But um, one of the things that stood out to me, too, was like and you kind of touched on it, but just the depth of the album, like all the tracks are really, really like, there's a lot of instrumentation going on. There's a lot of different, you know, things happening. Um, you know, you can tell that he got, you know, Mellotrons in there and, you know, was kind of plugging away for a while. So, um, you know, touching back to on the fact that he was playing in bands in the seventies, Dave Windorf, you know, like, It's, it's, it's funny that like, this is the third full length from monster magnet, but it's like, I don't know, his like 12th record or something, you know? So right, like, right. the dude had been like schooled and it seemed like this was like, obviously a bigger opportunity. There was like buzz off of Negasonic Teenage Warhead. Um, um, you know, it, it definitely seemed like the band, you can kind of feel that like excitement around it. Um, when it's like a band who's really worked hard for something and they like get that opportunity. Um, that's what this record sounded like to me. Like they were like really going for it and like put their all into this record that they believed in. And like commercially, I don't know that it did all that well. I'm sure it didn't do as well as they would have hoped, but like, I'm, you know, I have to imagine they're probably still happy with it because, um, I don't know. It seems like a lot of love went into it. Yeah, no, and you know what? That uh, exactly the point I was looking for. I was trying to I was circling around it. Alice Cooper is another one that I'm like, oh yeah, like Alice Cooper. <laughs> for the uninitiated, Alice Cooper might seem like passe, passe uh, pastiche, or or passe is a better word. Alice Cooper might seem passe, or not cool but yo that dude's got songs like that dude's got great songs in that catalog that are just instantly memorable um and and i can hear some of that where it's like oh alice cooper was pop accessible but also was just writing these banger songs that just had a ton of fucking energy so um so yeah i i think that's something um that i hear in there too so what record is that that I love? There's a one Alice Cooper record that I fucking love. Love it to death is the shit. Is That's that mine. The, oh, fuck, I'm trying to remember the title of it. Let me look it up for a second. But that was a record that, um, you know, to to go into the like, yeah, it's oh maybe it's Easy Action. Oh okay. yeah, yeah, Easy Action. Um, yep, <clears throat> yeah, Easy Action and Love It to Death, both fucking fantastic, and. It's a like those records are records that stand out to me because I was 18, 19 and I was into all sorts of music. But I love, I love, you know, guitar music. I love rock music. I love a lot of 70s rock music, but I was still young. And, and it's an interesting thing to think about the idea that, like, how are you connecting to something that's, you know, came out 10 years before you were even born? Like, what the fuck? Um, yeah, I love it to death. Oof, banger. Uh, <laughs> And I remember listening to these records on a cross country drive and just being like, man, there's so much, there's a lot going on. 
and there was a great flow to it. And that's the parallel I see to a record like Dopes to Infinity. What I really, really appreciated on this listen, and I'll ask you this, but I felt like this was a great doorway for someone who's into this kind of sound, but is like, hey, I'm a bit, I, I know Black Sabbath, I know Led Zeppelin, but I'm a little bit intimidated on where to go from here. And I feel like Monster Magnet is a great band to start with to see, okay, what direction do you like them? Here's five other bands to check out I was, you know, and what direction you can go in. Yeah, I was definitely actually thinking that while I was listening to it, where I think they're a great gateway band. Yes. Um, like there's a band that I love called Spaceman 3. Yeah. Um, oh. And even the beginning of Negasonic Teenage Warhead, like kind of that that drone that they have going on in the background, like that. If you're into that drone, like that's what Spaceman Three sound like. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, <laughs> you could like pick that up, and you know, uh, you know, it seems like I was actually looking at the lyrics to see if they dropped any like really obvious hints um, right. or things. I I didn't really get all that many references, honestly, but um, I'm sure that. You know, if you if you did your monster magnet homework, you could you know see like where exactly they were pulling from. But yeah, I think they're like a perfect gateway band if if that's the kind of thing you were interested in. Because not only is it like you know like eighties psych, but it's also mm-hmm. you know like Velvet Underground. There's like sixty yeah. psychedelia. There's obviously like the punk influence that we talked about. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, there's a lot there. Yeah. So so that's I mean. I really, and just to go into like my personal feelings, I really enjoyed the record. I was, I remember like being like, oh yeah, okay. And I'm looking at the track listening before I listen. I was like, okay, I think I like this one. And there weren't many complaints. I, I posed a question to you and this is where we get to be unfair A&R guys. We'll, we'll, we'll put ourselves in at some giant major label uh, corporate machine who's like, yo, you got to cut three songs there because it's a long record. This is an hour and two minutes. And I asked you, and I almost did it for a reason. Are there, what songs would you cut if you had to cut songs? So I think I have to say off the bat, my, my ideal kind of play time for yes. an album is probably like 30 to 45 minutes max. Yes. Um, I, you know, if we're talking about punk rock, records it, it it's it's much Cut that in half yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, 20 2025 20, yeah but 30s typical, pushing it yeah typical album let's say like 30 to 45 minutes yep there's like usually no reason for a double lp you know if you if you listen to vinyl yes um in my opinion so this one um it's a little long for me um i there are two songs okay. one is ego the living planet Yep. <laughs> and, the, and the other is um, Kind of Mars, actually. Or King, sorry, King, King of, of Mars. Mars. Um, oh, really? King yeah, of Mars King, is the song I was referencing about well, the Foo Fighters. Yeah, yeah, you mentioned that. So, like, Ego the Living Planet, actually, Third Alternative is another one. Third Alternative is on my list, yeah. Um, I could probably do without those. Um, Ego the Living Planet, and actually, um, the song Theme from Masterburner. Yes. So like those are essentially two instrumental tracks. Yes. Which, you know, I totally understand the appeal and I understand why they put them on there. And like, you know, 
this is a vibey record and they're going for vibe, you know, like they want you to have songs to like, like literally get baked to, you know, and you, you said um, it well, it's an album. Like this yeah. is, it's part of the experience. And so like, this is where we're saying respectfully, we've re- like, I don't have any problem with those songs and I actually like it as a choice for the record. But if we are being the jerks who are pulling songs off the record. Yeah. I would pull one of those instrumentals. I like theme from Masterburner a lot more than Ego the Living Planet. So, you know, I would, I think I would pull Ego the Living Planet. Um, but actually, one of the things that I thought to myself was, um, you know, when I was thinking about this was some songs like can kill live and they don't need to be on an album. Like, one of my favorite things is when bands have kind of like hit tracks that they've never recorded. Yeah, um, absolutely. And then there are like super fans who are, you know, aware of them. Maybe they're listening to like live tapes or something like that. But I thought to myself, like, this band could have like killer, like secret live tracks that, you know, are just like these fucking blowout, like, um, like, like epic rock tunes, you know, like epic noise tracks that like no one would ever hear unless you see them live. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like Ego the Living Planet, it's it, like... It's recorded great, like it. It sounds super wild, um, but like live, they could just like they could kill with that song. Oh, probably. that should be that should be the live bootleg like special. Like everybody yeah, exactly. knows that song; it's a hit. Everybody loves it, but you know, oh, maybe it's on a European bootleg, the or the European secret track. You can catch Ego the Living Planet, but that's the only way. Yeah, yeah. So I mean. I think that answers your question. I mean, King of Mars for me, I know you like yeah. that one. For me, it just kind of drags. I don't know. Okay. Just, I mean, yeah, no, here's the thing. Four minutes, 33 seconds. Yeah. It could go on a little long. I get it. Um, so for me, Ego was on the list, but I love the reference. Um, for people who are paying attention, uh, there are Monster Magnet is – full of references to uh, to some of Dave Windorf's things, which include comic books, specifically uh, Marvel comics of the Jack Kirby generation. So Ego the Living Planet is a comic book reference. I vibe on that. That's on my cut list. Look to your orb for the warning is on my cut list, track three. It's not a bad song, but I would cut it maybe. I, because I like the, the Dope's Infinity, I like Negasonic Teenage Warhead, I like... All Friends and Kingdom Come might be my favorite song on the record. Yeah. Blow Em Off is the track that that to me felt the most. Negasonic Teenage Warhead is the most alternative and like, hey, this is, you know, like this is the, we're submitting this for a video on MTV in 1995. Blow Em Off almost has the like, okay, if there was going to be a second single, this is it. Feel. Third alternative, it's a long song could cut it and then the you know theme for master burner and vertigo don't do anything for me king of mars i really like i could see it dragging and when i made the foo fighters comparison mid-era foo fighters i there was a part of me that cringed and was like oh man did i just make myself like this song less (laughs) oh fuck um but overall i asked that question and then when i was thinking about i was like you know what even the songs i would take off add to this record as an album like this is not this is not a flip it on and just like click in and out this is a whole listen 
there are tracks. If you just wanted to grab the song Dope's Infinity, Negasonic Teenage Warhead, All Friends and Kingdom Come, throw them, I Control I Fly, I think it's a great song. You throw those songs on you know, a mix, cool, totally works. But if you want the full experience, those those weird tracks are part of it. You know, would you agree with that? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, and I mean, that was obviously part of the plan. Yeah. Um, you know, for me, like the first four tracks, I actually I think are perfect. I'm like totally in up until track five, and then that's where it kind of goes off. I I actually love the track "Dead Christmas." Okay, um, yeah. I completely forgot about that track, and like it's probably one of my top two or three on the album. Um, but I feel like if you, if they did, you know, the first four tracks, maybe like one of the noise tracks, like theme from yep. Afterburner, dead Christmas and like two or three others. And it was yep. like a 45 minute album. It would be, I honestly, I think it might be like have more and more staying power if it was like more concise, you know? Well, I mean, I think that's a conversation that's worth having is that, <clears throat> As time goes by, I think that people are making records shorter and shorter. Even for this format of music, the long album, does it slip? Because it's not an easy process. You know, writing a writing a 50-minute record, let alone a 62-minute record, is no small feat. And, um, and to do so without a significant lull... I can I can count the number of records that I really love that are over an hour long on two hands. You know what I mean? Like and and I like a lot of records, you know. So yeah. so it's um it's not an easy game to play once you get to that long. Is this their longest record? That's a good question. I'll, I'll right. look into that. I'll look in, I'll look at that for a second while we do this. I'm a, I'm going to say that it's probably not at all. Yeah, I, there's a good chance it isn't. Since since then, they've actually done like Dave Windorf has done two albums, I think that are like he, I think he calls them reimaginings um, of oh, other yeah. albums. Yeah, which are actually like they're really cool. They're super psychedelic. They're 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 actually it's not some like bullshit remix album. Like he, he actually completely revamps these songs, and it, it sounds very cool. But those are like really really spacey albums that I have to imagine go over an hour. Yeah, and so Power Trip is sixty minutes. God says no is 60 minutes. Like those two albums are almost to the dot the same length. And I know God says, says no pretty well as well. Um, and that is, let's see, I'm going through the later records. Yeah. Monolith baby. I think it is the longest record. Look at that. All right. He, but he gets close, you know, like they are not, Oh, you know what? Never mind. The album yeah. mastermind from 2010 66 minutes and 23 seconds. I've never heard this record. I should check it out. Mastermind. Yeah, that one I don't remember all that well. You know, this is a band who would be interesting to look at their sales history as well. Yeah. Because there was a time in the mid-90s they were selling a lot of records, but I'm looking at this um, for Mastermind, eighth studio album, blah, 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 debuted at number 165 on the Billboard 200, selling around 3,000 copies. Th- that's not, please be very clear, there's nothing bad about that. That's pretty cool. And this is a band who can go play Europe in front of a lot of people. That said, <clears throat> they were around at the height of the CDA era, 
um, and we're touring with Soundgarden and doing these big tours and we're touring with uh, Marilyn Manson and Hole. You know, like this was a big band. So they were hitting the Billboard chart when it was taking tens of thousands of records to get on there, if not way more than that. So, um, you know, this was the the record Power Trip was a gold record, you know. Um, yeah. So so that's pretty amazing to think about just a band who came in like, by the way, we mentioned the term stone rock that's as a genre. Monster Magnet is early in that boat in the when the genre catalyzed black sabbath probably didn't refer to themselves as stoner rock other than being like yeah we're a rock band and we're all stoners you know uh sir lord baltimore certainly didn't either i think that was a term that came and like was a way to describe bands heavily influenced by this sound and monster magnets kind of on the earlier end of that spectrum do you think is that true or am i fucking that up that sounds right to me. I mean, at least they're definitely one of the bigger bands um, that were doing it, you know, around that time. Okay, so I asked you another question. In what public public setting or social setting could you play Dopes to Infinity? The album, like as an album? As an album. You just put it on, press play. I don't think there is one. I mean, like, like, I mean, I thought to myself, like, you know, like, you know, you could go to uh, a bar, like some dive bar and you have the album on and I think it would be accepted and perfectly fine. Oh, yeah. I mean, this know? this record could be played in any bar in Brooklyn. No yeah, problem. exactly. Like St. I'm sure I'm sure St. Vitus bar has played this album, you know, yes. start to finish. But if there's uh, any bars in, in Long Branch, the Brighton bar probably doesn't allow this record because it's been played too many times. <laughs> uh, but if there's any bar in Long Branch, you can play this record. Um, right. All right. I'll give you some some examples. This is a record store record. Okay. 100%. Good length. You can play it. Now, I say fuck you on Christmas Day. Some harsh lyrics, but overall, most record stores don't care. I think this is a record store record. You can play this in almost any record store. People are psyched. Yeah. Um, this is a record you could probably get away with playing in a comic book store. This is a record that has probably been played to death in tattoo shops everywhere. Sure. Uh, and I think if you have the right kind of barbecue with the right vibe, you could have this on. Yeah. Yeah. But barbecue definitely. It, I mean, it, one of the things that came to my mind was like, you know, um, Dave Windorf, monster magnet, you know, like the, the kind of drug use oh, yeah. yep, is like yep. really, really heavy handed. Um, which, you know, I, I think it's fine. I mean, that's like, it's, you know, part of their, part of their deal. Um, but I guarantee you that a lot of kids at the time, you know, 17, 18, 19, in their twenties, just like sitting around getting stoned, listening to this album. I think it's like they, they, which is probably like their main intention. You know, I think it was like meant to be an album that you kind of get fucked up to and listen to as an album, you know? So that's, that's one of the things I thought about too. Yeah, no. uh, Yes. 100%. In the mid nineties, drug kids were doing this wherever. Yeah. <laughs> in the woods, yeah. in a shed, whatever. Um, <laughs> so here's my question. Are you, where does this record fit in, in the spectrum of other nineties stuff that you like? Because for me, I like a lot of the grunge stuff. 
I like a lot of the indie rock stuff that was going on. I like a lot yeah. of the stoner rock and heavier stuff. I, I, the, the wave that I really get in on is, um, Oh gosh, what is where, um, where Frank Kozik did a, uh, record label, uh, man's ruin. And he did this, uh, Frank Kozik's an artist. Uh, you know, his posters if you've seen them, but he did a record label called man's ruin records. And this fits right in there. Um, so it fits there. But when I think about it, monster magnet kind of got bigger than most of those bands, you know? Yeah, no, they definitely did. Um, my favorite night. So you're asking like my favorite nineties. Well, how does this fit in? Like, where does this fit in spectrum wise? Cause like, what would you say is your favorite type of nineties stuff? And then how does this fit in? So I have to say, I love the nineties. Um, yeah. you know, I grew up in the era and I'm familiar with a lot of the music. Um, so I, my favorite is tough. I mean, I go to, you know, I, I love all the grunge stuff. Um, I was just recently actually revisiting Pantera. Um, oh, look at you. Yeah. Respect. Um, yeah. It's not, I don't think it's my thing, but that's for a different conversation. Um, it's not my thing either, but we should discuss it. it yeah. Maybe that'll be, we'll do some, that'll be the, uh, the secret episodes. We do non New Jersey stuff. Yeah, we don't sure. tell anybody. Um, so, I mean, I don't know the last 10 or so years, 10, 15 years, like spiritualized and like the Brit pop thing. Like I love mm. that stuff. So that's yeah. probably like some of my favorite of the era. Um, you know, pulp and suede and a lot of that stuff that For was, sure. some of it was big over here. Some of it wasn't as big. Um, I think that, you know, I was actually like looking at this in that context and thinking like, you know, grunge was on the way out and kind of new metal was like on the way in. Right. Like yep. I, I saw that they actually toured with COC and corn like yep. around the time, um, different tours, but like those are, to my knowledge at the time, like very different crowds, you know? So I think that they could have fit in in any number of different buckets. Yeah. Um, and it was just a matter of like either creating their own bucket or like, you know, going with the one that like kind of celebrated them the most, but I really don't know. And I, and I honestly, I feel like that's maybe part of their, like maybe was one of their issues when it came to like finding a larger audience was like, like where do they fit in? Because after after ninety five, like new metal beca- becomes a thing, and yeah, you know, they they definitely don't fit in that category. I don't think so. I think that's that's the that's the narrative here is that it's like where was you know guitar music going post grunge? You know, um, I think there's this little microwave, no pun. There was a, a small yeah. wave of bands after the initial thing, you know, after you get your sound gardens, Pearl jam, Allison chain, stone temple pilots, Nirvana, after that. <clears throat> and after Kurt Cobain dies, you get this weird kind of what I call post grunge, uh, which is, which is the, the gin blossoms and better than Ezra. And this really kind of like very palatable, radio friendly guitar music that's still very much like it's alternative but soft alternative you know it's it's alternative for everyone and um 
and that just wasn't who who Monster Magnet was. You know, and I'm not saying that if this record came out in 1992, it would have had a greater audience. That's not true at all. But they found themselves being not grunge enough for grunge. But I'm sure there was a lot of fans and people who enjoyed them, you know, in that world. But then yeah. where it went after that was this really weird place because you had exactly like you said, there's new metal and they're not that. And that's I think that's where the the much larger underground scene for this kind of stuff started taking hold and why it became its own sort of subdivision. It wasn't like punk music. It wasn't um, college rock. It wasn't indie rock. It was its own like stoner rock. It was this heavy rock thing that was essentially looked at like, hey, if this is going to be an underground music scene, so be it. We wouldn't mind playing arenas. Fine don't have to we'll do it just like this because we want to do it yeah for sure i mean i i feel like you know what i said before about dave warndorf saying nirvana sounded like boston like it seemed like he was he was almost like steadfastly refusing to like like be a hit maker and i don't even mean hit maker like negatively you know like i i actually love nirvana Same, um, yeah but uh like every song is a like it's a track there's like like endless nameless is like a, a little noisy but even that is like catchy somehow you know yep, yep. um so like he wasn't writing like space rock tracks that like literally could just be you know soundtracks from 60s movies you know um whereas dave windorf like not only insisted on doing that but like incorporating them many of them sometimes i guess here like into albums right so like <laughs> Yeah, I, th- I think he could have written an album like full of just like, like hit tracks, but that's like not his vision. So, um, yeah, it's it's interesting to think about. I'm I'm curious like what he thinks about it, or if he thinks that you know he could have done it differently or should have done it differently. You know? No, I, I mean that's a great question. I I also wonder at the end of the day how differently his music writing process was than some of these bands, these grunge bands or, or the bands who, you know, he, he professes that Negasonic Teenage Warhead is against. It's probably not that far off, but it's just the reference points are a little different. So, yeah. Um, Real quick question, Bob. You got it. So I'm a big lyric guy and I know that you are too. Yes. What did you think about the lyrics? Oh boy. They were all over the place. That's one of the parts that, <laughs> that I think I appreciated. Because it really felt like it was just that's one of the things that I think sets it apart mostly from grunge is that he's getting into some weird places here. Um, if anything, it has more in common with something like Clutch, uh, yeah. where and I, I, you know, there's people I'm not a Clutch super fan by any stretch of the means, but they got some good songs. But there's parts where it's he's taking a narrative. Uh, perspective where he's telling stories in these songs and that's very much not of the time. Um, But let me also say at the same time, there's a lot of grit to it. You know, this isn't sugar coated, uh, you know, ice cream and lollipops stuff. There's some pretty hard stuff going on in there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I really liked, there's definitely a focus when it comes to the lyrics. I think, you know, the same way that there's like the focus on the album, it's like 
it's all about space, you know, yes. and like you can, you can read into it any way you want, but like when you're reading it on paper, if you're taking it literally, it's just, it's about like planets and gods and yes. you know, like otherworldly beings. And I thought that was cool. I just, for me, like it, 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 if I'm being honest, it just, it felt a little samey without like um. getting me to a place that I wanted to be in, you know, like, I feel like, I, I feel like that's one of the things that could make me love this record more is like if there was, if I felt like those lyrics got me to a place. And and I say that because like there's songs like, like the song power trip on the, on the album that follows this. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it feels more human. Like he's still using the language of like space and gods and all of this stuff, which is cool. But like, it, it kind of relates it back to him. I think a totally, lot. More. Totally. And like, like, whereas here, like there are times where I'm like, I actually have no idea like what he's talking about, but it sounds cool, you know? And like that, maybe, that maybe, is, it, there's, there's a little bit of an arm's length on some of the lyrics. Yeah. I think out, I think Negasonic Neg- Teenage Warhead actually is sort of grounded and you can hear a little bit of his vitriol and like, <sighs> there's some emotion that there, whereas then you get into, like I said, the, the song, uh, all friends of kingdom come uh you know it's like what's going on does this just sound cool um, yeah. and i don't want to make it sound like that there's there's really cool shit going on here but but you put it very well it's it's spacey and a little bit distant and he's telling stories here you yeah. know king of mars uh to me it feels like he's describing john carter or something like that you know like there's <laughs> there's actually like he's going for these tropes that you would see in like oh i'm writing theme record you know i i was tasked to write you know um the flash gordon soundtrack cool let's go you know yeah 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 i mean um negasonic teenage warhead and um dead christmas were the two that i i definitely felt like brought it to a human level which again with negasonic teenage warhead like he has it in him if he wants to like write that like (sighs) track you know oh yeah and like biting lyrics but like well played and you can you can see what he's saying but he's doing it really artfully yeah um, dead christmas i think is the one that has the uh the uh i said fuck you on christmas line and that's yeah. that's one that just sticks out it's like whoa boy all right yeah um, it's a little angry but it also just it sounds like a like a psychedelic it's like it's like the monkeys went to space or something. You know, like, <laughs> yes, like, yes, it yes. Sounds like a sixties jingle, but like it, it like is obviously way more psychedelic than that. I think that's one of the things I appreciate about this record a lot is the sensibility of it. There's referencing. There's this this idea of Windorf yearning for some of the things that he had as a young man, as a kid. You know. Um, and those things leaving a heavy impression on him and him citing it. But at the same time, it doesn't feel throwback. It feels, it feels like they're taking these things and using them very directly, but, but making something new. Um, yeah. And I think yeah. that could be said of a lot of monster magnets material uh, throughout, be it both the lyrics and music. No, for sure. I mean, I said before the, the Zeppelin song, like third alternative is actually what I was thinking of where it just sounded like, it sounded like a Zeppelin tune, but like, using Sabbath's guitar tones and like making it a little more dirgy. Yes. You know, yeah. like, like, so yeah, there's definitely no like obvious rips. It's just, you know, 
definitely taking things and you know making them their own like you said which which is cool i mean the album actually to me like it didn't really sound dated like you can definitely tell that it it's it's dated in the way that it definitely sounds like it came from the 90s but i I think production wise it stands up way better than a lot of the albums that came out at the time um like absolutely I i think someone could hear it now you know with like a modern kind of sensibility and it wouldn't sound like you're listening to, you know, uh, trying to think of like a record that dated poorly from the nineties, but it, w- it wouldn't sound like, you know, it wouldn't there's, sound too dated. No, there's a lot of rock records from the eighties and nineties that you hear people. One of their biggest complaints is that the production on it just is really tough. I think, um, I think this record, we, we referenced it as a gateway record or, uh, like, um, yeah, I think it's a gateway record. Yeah, it, it, you know, and the drug reference works very appropriately here. <laughs> uh, but it's a gateway record because it sounds really good. It sounds great. It was recorded at Electric Ladyland, um, which is fucking cool. Sounds great, and if you like it, you th- can then jump back and into a lot of different stuff that maybe the production values aren't as high, but will. But this is the this is the toe in the water. You know what I mean? And if you yeah. can rock with this, you're good. I would actually love to talk to someone about, you know, if this was a gateway record for them and like where they oh, went yeah. next, you know, that would be an interesting conversation. Yeah, so, so if that's somebody out there listening, please, please hit us up. Who would you recommend this record to? Because I think we're getting close to wrapping it up. What, um, what kind of person, what kind of music do you think they'd be into? Who would you tell, hey, check out Monster Magnet, Dopes to Infinity? Um, honestly, I think someone like it really goes along with the gateway album thing. You know, I think that someone that is kind of testing the waters, um, they know that they're into kind of more alternative edgy stuff, but don't really know what direction to take. Um, I think that would be a good candidate. I think that, um, even people who, you know, might be like really into sleep or I hate God or, you know, um, bands like that and, you know, went deep, but, um, you know, are a little younger, um, who may have just like completely missed monster magnet. I think they'd be worth, um, it'd be worth them checking it out, particularly if not this album, you know, maybe the early stuff. Yep. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Those are the two that come to mind. What about you? No, I mean, <clears throat> uh, that's, that's where I would have started. I would have said, if you sleep is a great reference, they, they've really, taken off in an odd way and i mean i get it i love sleep holy mountain i love dough smoker and they're a great band um if you like newer bands like witch hand uh, i think you should check this band out if you like anything that comes out on um 20 bucks spin or southern lord records you should definitely check this record out going back if you're someone who rocks with some classic rock 70s stuff if you like psychedelic stuff, if you like, even if you're just like, yo, I love Black Sabbath, but for whatever reasons, the other kind of music I listen to, it's just not in that world. Maybe check this out. Now, I could give you more specific ones if you're a Sabbath or even Zeppelin fan, but if you like Black Sabbath, but also really like mm, uh, stuff from the mid, it's from the 90s, you know, Soundgarden, etc., and are looking for something a little more, check this record out. I think I think it I think it could really hit the groove spot for a lot of people because 
one, it's a great album. And two, I just think there's a couple peaks that almost anyone can go, oh, great song and really rock with. Yeah, for sure. I think that, unfortunately, I I do think that they've kind of gotten lost in the sands of time in certain ways. Yeah. Um, And I think that, you know, them being one of the bigger bands of this genre, I think sometimes people shy away from those bands that, you know, get bigger. Yep. Um, But I don't think, I, I really don't think there's like, you know, any reason not to check them out because of that. You know, I mean, that's like the albums are like all good for the most part, you know? So I think that uh, if, if, if you're into that lane, like whatsoever, it's worth, it's worth diving in. Yeah. I think, I think that, I think Dopes and Infinity is a great starting point. Uh, depending on your musical leans, either Power Trip or Spine of God might be alternates. So, um, like every week, we, 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 you know, every time we do an episode, we hope to hear from y'all and give us your thoughts. Uh, if this was a gateway band for you, hopefully a gateway band, not not a gateway to drugs, but I bet I bet there's a lot of people who it was both. Um, please uh, please reach out and let us know what you think. Um, if, if it was the drugs, you can tell us that too. I'm interested to hear. Yeah, it'd be a cool story. I love that. Yeah, <laughs> I like good acid trip stories. Why not? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I once went to a party that was stone sober, uh, but a friend of mine who, who had experience with, with mind altering substances said, this is more surreal than any trip I've ever been on. So, um, <laughs> we'll talk about that off air. So, yeah. so, uh, Pete, what are our socials and, and contact info for everybody out there? So you can hit us up, um, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at it came from NJ pod. Um, and then you can email us at it came from njpod at gmail.com. Awesome. So, so I guess I'm on the spot this week, huh? It is. It's you. So I picked last week and, uh, you know, what are you thinking about? Well, I was thinking of a lot of things. Um, you know, one that came to mind is a record that I've never listened to is, uh, the, the big naughty by nature record. Oh, wow. <laughs> All right. But, 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 but. Wait, it gets worse. Um, (laughs) I'm going to stay closer to home for us. I'm going to give us, I think this is the first true, true softball for us. Um, But I think every once in a while, you need someone to just throw one right over the plate. So we're going to do Misfits Walk Among Us. Cool. Real quick, let's do the quick pre-preview. When's the last time you listened to this record? Uh, It's actually, it's been a long, it's been a while. Okay. Um, I think it's probably been 10 years since I listened to this album oh, start wow. to finish. It's probably, probably like two years for me. I, I do love this record. Uh, I think we're gonna have a really good time with this one. So, uh, thanks Pete. This was good. Cool. Great episode. Looking forward to the next one. Misfits. Let's go. See you later. <laughs> <laughs>